And my next guest, I got to tell you, was booked hours before I actually heard about Nick Dixon. So this is not just the CHCH evening news translated to radio, although we are delighted to have an old friend back online. I haven't been able to get him for a while because he's been so busy with his work, but Bubba O'Neill, sports guy now, and Bubba, weather? Weather? You are now a weather guy too? This is amazing. Sorry, Scott, I couldn't, I couldn't hear you there. I was saying you're a weather guy, too, now, not just not just sports. You've branched out. Well, I mean, you just had Nick on uh, <laughs> moments ago, and, of course, this is obviously a, a new style generation of what's going on at CHCH, and I think it's uh, pretty much a trend of what we're seeing in television and radio right now that, uh, you know, you've got to be able to do multiple things and multiple jobs in a sport. Of course, while this station sort of rebuilds itself right now, I've been sort of placed in a situation where I've had to learn some things, and I will never be Brian Wood. I will never be, you know, a meteorologist, but, uh, you know, I think I've I've gotten by, let's just say, and uh, with my new duties. What's, what's the best weather thing you get to talk about? What's the best weather system you get to talk about? Uh, the the seven day forecast, <laughs> Scott. I try to keep it simple as possible. Like, I mean, I am not a sportscaster. If you want to talk statistics and all that kind of thing, I can break it all the way down with sports. But I'm not out there to try and fool anyone when it comes to uh, zonal, uh, uh, frontal, uh, heat waves. Uh, low-pressure zones. It's just not going to happen or come out of my mouth. Well, let's stick with sports then, and let's stick with the Raptors, because this is... uh, You've been down there the last couple of games. You've seen the zaniness that is going on there, but come on, admit it. You are completely shocked by the fact that they are even still playing today. No, I'm not shocked at all. Really? I think I've maintained this with you, and you know, in our sort of text conversations, I I think I've taken on that sort of attitude during the sportscast here at CHCH. Um, Obviously, to me, they were the better team in their series victories over Indiana and Miami. They were the better team, the higher seeded team. They won more games, and they have more talent than those teams. Even though Jonas Valanciunas went uh, went uh, went down with an ankle injury, so to me, those were no not a big surprise. Now. Let's be honest, when you lose by 31 in game one of the series against the Cleveland Cavaliers that have arguably the world's best basketball player on it, that's a shock. But in a seven-game series, you've got to remember, and the, the Raptors were very staunch on this, and they, liked, they wanted to remind everyone from DeRozan to Lowry to the head coach, it doesn't matter if you lose by three or 30. It's one game. And every game, as we've seen in this postseason for the Raptors, is different. So they've come out there and, and executed a game plan, and people forget in the regular season, and I know it's the regular season, but it's proving true now, they were 2-0 against the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in the regular season. Right now they're 2-0 against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the postseason, and I'm not surprised. But this team... Let's be honest. You're right about the fact that they were the higher seeded team against Indiana and Miami. You're right about the fact that they were two and one against Cleveland this year and two and all at home. But for the first two series of this year's playoffs, Bubba, they were a bad Raptors team. They were nothing like their regular season selves. And so I, I'm just I was sitting there going, Well, what's happened all of a sudden that in the last two games they've woken up? But in the seven, I think they've woken up. I thought they woke up plenty of times throughout both of those those uh, previous series in the Eastern Semi and the quarterfinals. They were inconsistent, Scott. They weren't bad. They had games where they were bad. But at the end of the day, you do whatever it takes to win a series. And 
in the seven games, in the seventh game of both those series, they came up with efforts, and their all-stars played like all-stars. And last night we saw pretty much, I mean, something that we've never seen before between Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. They combined to score 67 points. They've never done that before. In the first two games of the series, in the, the two blowout losses to the Heat, to, uh, to the Cavs, they scored, they, they scored 68 so, you know what, maybe there's something to be said about a team that is continuing to crest towards the NBA uh, conference finals and, uh, and finals. Because no one really remembers what you're going to do in the first round or second round. That the, the ultimate goal of this team to start this season was to get over the hump and win a first-round match. Well, they've doubled that. Should this, though, be a concern to people that you just said that Lowry and DeRozan had never combined for 67 points before? Now they're going to Cleveland. Uh, They are a team that has shown great strength at home in front of the crazy home fans but have struggled on the road in these playoffs. Should there be some concern that, yeah, that was fantastic last game, but it's not replicable? Well, I mean, of course not, because like I, 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 finished, I finished saying it, every game is different. Now, who's to say that they're going to say 67 is 67 points, but who's to say that, uh, you know, Terrence Ross doesn't get hot? It, they, they need, you know, different individuals to play up to a higher level, and we're seeing that right now in the likes of Bismack Biombo. 26 rebounds. I mean, the franchise high was 22. He got 23 and then pushed it to 26 in Game 3. So we're seeing extraordinary efforts from different people. Uh, Corey Joseph at times has stepped up throughout the postseason and led his team. So this is a complete team effort, and that's the reason why. I mean, yes, they have their two All-Stars. And you know what? If you take a look at the Final Four that's out there right now in the NBA, yeah, the two backcourt buddies that the Raptors have, yeah, they're probably, you know, ranked fourth on the list of the four teams that are still alive. But this is a team that's young. They're moving forward in the right direction. And Dwayne Casey says it all the time. And I'm all, I always find it interesting how many times he says this word during his press conferences. Is that the program. This is all about a program and the program improving and taking the next step. And we're seeing that from this team right now. So everyone, you know, if you're not a big basketball fan and you're on the bandwagon, enjoy it because this is a lot of fun. All the discussion, though, well, not all, half the discussion Twenty-five percent, maybe, of the discussion was about Lowry and DeRozan yesterday, and and so and good for them. I mean, they had a they had a phenomenal game, both of them. The other, probably seventy-five percent of the discussion around here, anyway, is that the fix is in, and the NBA will do anything to get the Raptors out of this game, including getting the refs not to call any fouls, and that this is an NBA conspiracy to lock the Canadian team out of the finals. What do you say to that? Well, I mean, and, and you and I have gone, you know, what, the several appearances I've had on your show, and, you know, obviously we, we've talked about NBA officiating. And I'm going to maintain the same attitude that, that I, you know, have said over the last couple of playoff runs with the, with the Toronto Raptors. I, I don't buy into that stuff. And to me, that's just such nonsense and almost bleeds into this sort of Toronto loser mentality that we're going to look at the refs and blame the refs. Does any, did, is anyone talking about that the fact that the Cavaliers had barely went to the line in the second half of yesterday's game? No one's talking about that right now. And Cleveland's certainly not talking about that right now. It is what it is. And yes, of course, I think... Uh, we all want the monster matchups in the finals of any sport, for that matter. But you fight through it. 
And if there is what appears to be a bias towards uh, the star player, well, welcome to the NBA. And welcome to pro sports, for that matter, because you know what? Tom Brady had a rule made up after him. Uh, Wayne Gretzky sliced up uh, Doug Gilmore. That's sports. The, pro, the, the, the biggest stars in the game will always get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, that's not new. So I'm not going to use that as an excuse or there's a conspiracy or the refs are out to get Canada. They don't want it. Yeah, well, I guess they didn't want Is that the re- you know, I've heard the most ridiculous thing is that they had the strike back in the day in, in, in the early 80s and didn't want the Expos to win the World Series. Yeah, in 1994, yeah. That's ridiculous. That's the reason why that they all went to strike, because the Expos were so good. That's ridiculous thinking, Scott. So are we? So just before we leave this topic, is see, it's my opinion, Bubba, that quite frankly, and I've talked to a couple refs about this, and they don't disagree. When you have ten huge men jammed into a small space, and there is collisions and grabbing and bumping and stuff, you could literally call every player for a foul on every single play and create a game, a basketball game that would be unwatchable. You could you could have a whistle blown every 2 seconds more than that. And so what's happened is the refs generally have loosened the the strings a bit and allowed more stuff to happen. And so once in a while, maybe more than once in a while, you're going to end up now with a call that gets missed or with a call that gets made because they, you know, they see something the conspiracy idea, I'm with you. I don't buy it. But it clearly, there is a lot, when we watch playoff basketball, there is a lot of banging, a lot of grabbing, a lot of scratching, a lot of things going on in there. Well, and I think you just said the, the, the phrase there, Scott, playoff basketball. And I think if you talk to those same referees that I know that you've spoken to, they would tell you the same thing. No official wants to be the reason why a team wins or loses a game. So they're going to try, especially at this level, where you have the four best teams of the season going toe-to-toe right now, they're going to try and let them work it out. And they're going to try and let them play through it and try and make the obvious calls. And very much like we see it with football, there's holding on every single play. But if a particular hold actually influences uh, the, 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 the either plus yardage or minus yardage of a play, well, they have to throw the flag. And that, to me, that's no different in basketball. Um, you know what? Hey, I love Bismack Biombo. I think he's a marvelous player. He's, he's been the breakthrough player of the postseason on any team in the NBA. But you know what? You just heard DeMar DeRozan a couple of years ago saying he's one of the biggest hackers out there and how much he hated him. But now he's a Toronto Raptor, so he loves him. So while everyone goes off that every time Bill Bismack Biombo goes up and makes a block that there's not a foul, that's just, that's to me not being. Well, I mean, that's being a bit of a homer in terms of you have to actually watch the play and at times take the homerism out of... But that's hard. You know, Bubba, you know why that's hard is because often the TV crews are feeding that homer position. And so people who are watching at home who have just jumped on the bandwagon and now hear the supposed experts on every single play saying that was a foul because it happened against the Raptors or that's not a foul because the Raptors didn't commit it it becomes difficult to wade through what is and what isn't. And your brain gets fed with stuff from these folks who are telling you stuff that it's homerism. 
I, I agree with you to, to an extent. But I think in this market, Scott, and again, I'm going to pound this, and you hear me say this all the time, I think that Toronto is so desperate to win something. Yes, yes. They're, they're so desperate. It hasn't happened in so long. We saw it. The, the umpires hated us in the, in the World Series run last year. Um, well, of course, the Leafs, well, they blew up themselves when they played Boston, <laughs> so you can't use that as an example. And, of course, here it, for the last couple of years, that has been in the last three years of the Raptors making some type of, you know, expectation that they're going to do something in the postseason, that's been the talk, is that these referees are against the Raptors. And I, I, I just don't buy it. Okay, two things quickly. First of all, you mentioned Bismack Biombo. First of all, i got to argue that as well as Valanchunas played in the first two series. The best possible thing that happened for the Raptors against the Cavaliers was for Valanchunas to be out because Biombo has stepped in and been great. And I don't know, honestly, that Valanchunas, as good as he was playing, is not the same player. And I don't know that he creates the same chaos down low that causes as many problems for LeBron James and the Cavaliers. You know what, Scott? You're, you are 100% right. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I think that's why Coach Casey kept JV pinned to the bench yesterday. Obviously, his conditioning is not up to par uh, to put him in the middle of a series uh, or whatever. He has to work himself back into that. But you are 100%. Due to the matchup situation in this series, Bismack, even though not as tall, not as thick, is a better matchup against the Cleveland Cavaliers because the Cavaliers don't have a big man. They've, Timothy Matt Mozgov has seen no action in this series. So there's no big seven-footer on the floor. What he can do, and you talked about what he does down low, it's what Bismack does up at the perimeter. He's able to go out and put his big wingspan up there on the, uh, at the three-point line and cause problems out there. He's more mobile than Valanchunas is. Valanchunas has a better offensive touch. He's better from the foul line, but it cannot be denied that Bismack is a better shot blocker, he's a better defender, and he's much lighter and quicker on his feet. He's also... And this is where some people, again, who are new to following the Raptors, who are just on the bandwagon and love Bismack because of the way he plays and the smile and the wagging finger. Uh, Bismack is also, at the end of this year, has an opt-out clause and will be a free agent. Are we enjoying the last days of Bismack Biombo as a Toronto Raptor? Well, I mean... Because he's going to want a lot of dough. I mean, no, because now you're in a situation where you know your star, your all-star player, Demar Derozan, is is in a situation where he's going to want max money, and and that's going to be a question to, at the end of this season on what the Raptors do there. But yeah, there's there's a situation there that the Raptors are either going to have to trade someone. I don't know if it's a Terrence Ross, whoever that that's out there, uh, if they want to keep him because he has. You're right, played himself into a big money situation. He likes it here. I mean, uh, he, he is so engaging and fun, and the energy that he provides for his teammates and especially the crowd, as, as we've seen in this postseason run, um, just a good guy. And as you said, the finger wagging, the the, the efficiency on the floor. But Yes, he's played himself into a big money contract, and yeah, you're right. This is his time, and he will opt out of his contract to see what's out there. But I don't. I would not discount the Raptors of you know letting this guy go because he's all of a sudden played himself as sort of a major piece of this Raptors uh, run, playoff run right now. Last thing, we got about thirty seconds here. Uh, Tons of people now tuning in. People who never watched NBA basketball, people who never watched Raptors basketball are now tuning in because people want a winner. Do you think this carries over or do you think this is this year and when next year rolls around and they start training camp and start games, back to what it was? 
I, I think there will be a carryover factor, and I hear, here's the reason why. Basketball is a young man's sport, all right? Uh, uh, baseball is an old man's sport. NHL is, if the Leafs do well, they, they will watch. I mean, as we're seeing in this NHL postseason right now, people aren't watching. Uh, I think that the young people out there, much younger than you and I, love basketball. They they love the culture of basketball. They love the style, the way to dress, the hip-hop, the music, all of that. And I think there's a big community, and especially you and I have gone toe-to-toe on this, I think with the changing sort of international flavor of southern Ontario, and, of course, the influx of players that are going in the NBA right now that are coming from Canada, this sport is on the rise. It will never be hockey, but it is starting to contend. Right now in the NBA, the most international players of any country, for the first time ever, are Canadians. I'm and telling you, number- Bubba, we got to go. But I'm telling you, you put, instead of Drake on the floor, you put Celine Dion, and now you've got a crowd. <laughs> I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir, for doing this. Appreciate it. Hey, you know what? Always a pleasure to be on your show, Scott.